Welcome to the B Word Podcast, the podcast for women who know they're meant for more and just need a little bit of help getting there. I'm Joanne Bolt, and I am obsessed with helping women just like you move out of the messy middle and into a business that is sassy, classy, and a little badassy. Together, we'll unpack it all from money and mindset to the little simple strategies that you can implement today in your business. Grab a glass of wine and your AirPods and curl up on the couch because happy hour with your besties has begun right now here on The B Word. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to The B Word. Today's guest of the week, you guys know I love to bring in those spunky, sparky, fantastic women to give you a lot of inspiration into your own world. And so today's guest is a lady named Scout. Now, Scout and I met a couple of weeks ago via another Zoom mastermind that I was on. And I got in that mastermind through a podcast, of course, because I really do believe that podcasting can be and should be one of the main pillars of your business, whether you're guesting on them or whether you're hosting on them or my favorite, both. Scout really has taken that whole guesting concept to a whole nother level. So Scout, I'll give it over to you and just let you introduce yourself and tell everyone who you are and what you do. And then we're going to dive into the specifics. Yes, I'm so excited. Hello, everyone. My name is Scout Sobel. I'm the CEO and founder of Scout's Agency, and we are the leading agency in getting women as guests on podcasts. So essentially, female entrepreneurs, authors, content creators, thought leaders come to us, and we run a podcast tour for them where we get them as a guest on a plethora of podcasts over a six-month on average time period. And that is so fantastic. You've actually trademarked the term podcast tour, right? Yes, we're in the process. It takes about a year, so we're almost there. Yeah, I'm I'm trademarking a few things too, and it is quite the lengthy process. But what it when you think of a podcast tour, like tell me what that entails. Excellent question. So essentially, it's very similar to a book tour, where if you were to launch a book and go to 10 to 15 different cities to promote that book, it's that same concept. But instead of going to different cities, you're going on different podcasts. So I really discovered this strategy four and a half years ago, almost five years ago now, when I started my own podcast and fell in love with the medium for a plethora of reasons that we'll get into today. But I started watching our guests come on the podcast, we would publish the episode, and then I would watch our community follow our guests online, buy their product, listen to their podcast, become a client of theirs. And that's when I realized that being a guest on a podcast is such a powerful form of PR. But the way to really, really hit it was to create a standalone service for it. Because I believe a lot of people aren't maybe necessarily a candidate for traditional PR, but a podcast tour is so much more approachable for women at all stages of their business. So I packaged it up. Honestly, it sounds a lot more intentional and genius looking back. I was just like, let's see if this works. One of the things that I'm so grateful I did was create this standalone service as a tour because to really, really create impact with this strategy, you do need to be going on a plethora. Quantity really is the game with quantity always being at the base of the podcast that you're going on. But the tour part of it of like going on a bunch is really the way that this strategy lights up women's businesses. Well, and here's what I I want to kind of loop back to for a second. You said it, it was kind of an accident that you got into it. And I think for a lot of us, when we start our businesses, we probably start out in one direction, you know, thinking, oh, this is what we're going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. This is who I'm going to be. 
And then we evolve and pivot or find the piece of the business that we are really lit up about and passionate about. Because I hear all the time women say, oh, I got started in this. It was an accident, but I love it now. Such such a good point. And I, I always, I don't think I stress it enough because before I started Scouts Agency, I started like five businesses that did not go anywhere. You know, I started a social media agency and then I started a magazine and then I started a blog. And, you know, it, I, I was so curious in my early and mid twenties that I started a million things that honestly, by the time I started Scouts Agency, my dad and my husband were exhausted. They were like, not <laughs> You don't have time. You got a job. You're getting paid. What's going on? And I'm like, nope, here we go again. And so while it seems like it was an accident or it seems like I stumbled across something that just, you know, went from zero to a hundred real quick, which is the truth. It was eight years of being curious and trying things out to get me to this point. It was starting OKSIS podcast and then moving into Scott's agency. When I started OKSIS podcast, I thought that was going to be the thing that was going to be my full-time job. Okay, so this podcast is still around today. My sister and I do it three times a week now. It's a big part of our brand. But oh, Scout's agency came out of that, and that's the thing that stuck. So it's never like you wake up one day and you hit gold and it's like a lottery thing. You got to keep buying the tickets. You got to keep showing up, and you'll find the right thing that flows with ease. And nothing we ever do is a failure. I think that's what I just took out of what you just really said was you started a bunch of things. Maybe they didn't work out, but they all led you to where you are today. And I think every female listener out there needs to really hone in on that one statement. There is nothing you do that's actually a failure. The only failure you have is you don't try, right? Yes. But it all gets you to where you end up. Yeah. I use the word failure because I've completely reframed my relationship to it. And when I say the word failure... It doesn't actually spark any sort of negative connotation in my body. It really is just the universe, my curiosity, my soul rerouting me and getting me closer and closer and closer. And I talk a lot about that actually in my book because failure is the thing that gets you to the thing that you should be doing. No one, very, very few people wake up and start the one thing that they do for the rest of their life. It takes like a, a continuous momentum forward to land in the right spot. Amen, sister. You can preach that one all day because I so I'm here for that. All right. Now, when we talk about podcast pitching, I get a lot of pitches in my email every day for the B Word podcast. I will tell you, I probably don't read 99% of them. You and I have had that discussion before. Why, why is this something that utilizing an agency such as yourself is such a game changer versus a DIYer or someone who's just using a generic agency? Well, we have two secret sauces here at Scott's agency, two secret weapons. The first one is the pitch. The second is our database, which are both are now available for everyone to, to utilize. The pitch, which unbeknownst to me, talk about things leading to things, became the secret sauce because I studied uh, creative nonfiction in college and I studied mm. journalism and I loved writing profiles. So I would interview people and I would write a profile on that. So when I started this agency, I was writing a pitch. I used that exact same energy of writing a profile on someone to write a pitch. So I wanted to capture their essence. I wanted to capture their aura. I wanted to capture their energy. I wanted it to be moving. I wanted it to feel like an editorial piece. And that kind of uh, approach to it, which was a very human approach, matched 
the medium because podcasting is very human. It's a different way. It's a different type of profile on someone, right? It's an audio interview type thing. So pitches from day one, I've done very differently. I credit that to, you know, my college studies and loving journalism in that sense. And I also credit it to never having a job, like a real job. I've never had a corporate job. My one like kind of real job is working for my mom's startup as employee number three. And so I don't know what email etiquette is. And so I was emailing people like a human being who cared about the things that she was doing. And in doing that, I garnered up a roster, first of all, very quickly because I was cold pitching everyone to come work, you know, to pay me to be a client. And I started hearing it all the time from prospective clients. I never answer emails like these, but I had to get on the call with you. There was something about this email or a podcast host will say, I don't really take guest pitches for my podcast, but wow, this pitch, I need to take your client. I can feel them. So over the last four years, what I inherently brought to the table became a superpower. And then I was able to fine tune it over, you know, we've booked over 3000 podcast episodes. So I can't even imagine how many pitches my agency is sent out as a whole. I was able to really fine tune it to then speak to the podcast industry specifically. So one of the benefits of my agency is that we were running podcast stores before agencies were running podcast stores. Mm. So we've been at the forefront. We hear what podcast hosts like, we know what works. And so we've created a proprietary template that essentially is geared towards a podcast or strategy and towards a podcast host. So that's been our superpower from day one. You can take a one-off workshop that we have that teaches you exactly this proprietary template. But the advantages of working with an agency privately is at this point, our reputation in the space, at this point, our relationships with podcasters. We also on the back end understand the strategic work that goes in. We have it automated so beautifully here. We've run them so much. We save you time, energy, and the success rate is higher when you work with us. But that being said, we are now giving the tools to entrepreneurs via our podcast tour academy and our database to do this internally without fumbling through the daunting cold pitching and trying to tackle an industry that is very large and very new. So what do you think is the benefit to someone who doesn't have a podcast? Like, do you recommend all entrepreneurs to utilize a podcast tour, whether they host on one or not? Oh, yeah, 100%. I would say 80% of our clients don't have podcasts. Going on a podcast tour as a podcast guest is such a beautiful way to benefit from this medium without the commitment and the workload of consistently publishing a podcast and growing an audience. Mm. So you don't have to be a content creator. You don't have to be a community builder, which is you know, I'll just call it what it is. It's very time consuming and exhaustive. It's incredibly fulfilling and worth it in my opinion. However, that's not everybody's jam and that's not everybody's bandwidth. You know, I promote the double strategy, but if you don't have a podcast, being a guest is such an easy way to get in front of new audiences, to hop into this medium and to connect with hosts and do the whole networking game as well. So that's been one of the misunderstandings of my agency for a long time, because it's such a new industry. I have constantly educate people exactly on what we do. But my, even my family's like, oh yeah, you represent all the podcasters. I'm like, actually, you know, <laughs> only 20% of my clientele, my roster has podcasts. So it's beautiful for the person who's launching a book, beautiful for the person who's a coach, who's building community, who has a product-based product. I think every female entrepreneur needs to be a guest on podcasts. It really just enhances that thought leadership space, right? 
Oh, if you yeah. are someone who wants to get into the speaking world, um, I just got off of Jess Ekstrom's Mic Drop Workshop Boot Camp. You know, I mean, there was like 400, 500 people in that five day boot camp. Every single person of those could funnel now into a podcast tour to get themselves booked on speaking stages. Or if you just release a book, go on that tour from the you know comfort of your living room or your office and get that book number one in the world. Is there any industry that you can think of that would not benefit from a podcast tour? By the way, I just love saying podcast tour. It's just kind of fun. Rolls off the tongue. I know, right? It's so empowering too. I feel like it's very strong. The only thing I would say, don't go on a podcast tour if you don't want to be the forward-facing founder of your business. That's the only thing I would say. Because when you get on a podcast, you are in that expertship. You are that thought leader. You are public-facing. And so with that comes a responsibility and it comes a different, a different type of job. So, you know, if that is something that you don't want to do, I would always check in with yourself first before putting your face and your voice behind your brand. I believe that the most successful brands and businesses have a human touch and a face behind them, but that doesn't mean that you need to be the microphone for your business. So don't feel like you have to. That's the only space that I would say are the only reason why I don't, why I would not promote a podcast tour for someone. But other than that, you nailed a bunch of the ROI beautifully. I've had our clients go to number one sellers because of a podcast tour. I've had my clients grow Instagrams by the thousands. I've had them sign high retainer clients. I've seen their podcast downloads doubled. I've seen their revenue grow by like $30,000 a month, you know, month after month after month. I've seen them network with high profile celebrity entrepreneurs. I've seen them take the relationship off mic and host events together with podcast hosts in the business space, which then led to more business. So it really is not only a brand awareness and a thought leadership play, it's also a business driver. It's also it's a networking. A, oh my God, the networking. Don't even get me started. It's if you want to network, get on a podcast. Done, done, done. It's the easiest way to network. All right. So let me ask you something. We're going to talk logistics for just a second here. All right. If you are the forward face of your brand and you want brand awareness, that's one thing. If you are publishing your book on a certain date and you need it to hit, you know, New York Times bestseller status within a certain number of hours, that's a different deadline. We talked earlier when we first got on the podcast about trademarking. Trademarking takes, it can take up to a year. How big of a runway would you say most people need to start their podcast tour process depending on you know what they need to achieve? If you're working with us, we need six months before your book launch. Okay. Because what we're going to do is we're going to concentrate all of your recordings to be published within one or two weeks of that book launch to create maximum impact around that moment. If you're doing it yourself, that's a question of who's on your team and, and how much hours can you dedicate? If you're doing it for yourself, maybe add on a couple months just to make sure that there is a little bit of room for you know learning the trade and following up on the pitches, et cetera. But when it comes to our clients who say we're launching a book, we say, if you're launching month six, sign with us month, month one. Okay. So what, what I'm hearing you say is y'all, you guys also have a little bit of extra strategy in there. So whereas yeah. normally if someone were to pitch to me, and I would take them on the podcast. I don't give them ahead of time when that podcast is going to release, if ever. Y'all are going behind the scenes and saying, hey, she's releasing a book August 1st. I need this episode recorded now. However, please hold on to it until X next week, and then you can release it. 
Yep. And that's why we start early because editorial calendars, editorial schedules, hitting the big guys can take longer. We have to get it all set up, et cetera. That's why we give it time so that, you know, if I make the ask in month three, if they can publish it month six, that's a lot easier something to accommodate than to be like, hey, can you post this in a week? You know, so that's really part of the strategy. And we actually have two levels. We have our podcast tours, which are general brand awareness, six months. But if you want that concentrated approach and elevated results as far as quantity for a book launch, we have our book tour podcast tour mm. service as well, which includes more podcasts and, and that extra strategy involved and a lot of uh, more coordination, getting the book to the host, et cetera. Okay. That's fantastic. I, I love this whole concept. And I love that you have just made something that most people in their brain think is a DIY and you have really just elevated it to a different level. Because yeah. I know... I know just on my end how much effort it takes to do all the things involved in the business. And so it's it's worth it financially to bring someone into your team that can take care of that piece of it for you so that you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to do the research on which podcasts are the best ones to go on. You don't have to find out what their audience looks like and who their audience is. You can just say, listen, this is what I need. Go make it happen. Yes. Our, I mean, our philosophy here is you sign with us and then you show up for the interviews. Like we do everything. And I also say, you know, people are like, oh, should I do it myself? Or what's the difference between doing it myself and hiring you? And I'm like, listen, let's be real. This isn't brain surgery, right? It's right. finding a podcast and it's sending them an email, right? However, after four years of doing this and over 3000 podcasts, one, I always ask, are you actually going to do it? Are you actually going to dedicate the time? Two, is it worth your time to be able to assess a podcast? Because part of the success that really, part of the reason why podcast tours, our podcast tours are successful is because my team and I can evaluate what a good pitch list is for a person based off of where that client is in that moment. Because I have clients who try to do it themselves and then come to us. And I look at what they pitched and they pitched, you know, Dax Shepard, Oprah, Glennon Doyle, Joe Rogan, you know what I'm saying? Jay so Shetty. Kids, Jay <laughs> Shetty. And, you know, they just started their business maybe six months ago and, you know, have 10,000 followers on Instagram. So we're able to take a client and really, really know where they are, know where the podcast industry is going to pick them up. And then we're going to push the envelope and elevate them to that next level based off of our uh, relationships based off our reputation and based off of just the sheer automation of our process. So you'll get consistent results, you'll get better results, and you will definitely not waste your time if you hire us. I mean, I used to tell people when I was selling real estate, yes, you can put a for sale sign in your own yard. And yes, you can sell a home by yourself. You will not regret paying my commission when you realize the headache that is involved and all the little things that unless you're in it, and you're doing it every day, you don't realize you have to be watching out for. And we do. And that's what I would tell my clients. I think that's very similar pitching wise to what you're saying. I say now that I've been in the client, you know, service-based industry for four years, whenever I look into other industries, if it looks easy, I probably can't do it myself. That's 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 like the mic drop quote right there. If it looks easy, I cannot do it myself. <laughs> yeah. That person put in a lot of time and effort to figure out how to make it look that damn easy. Amen. All right. So how big is the agency now? How have you grown it over the last couple of years? So year one, uh, I hired my first employee like month six because I was naive and excited and crazy. And 
hired an employee and signed an office lease. I tell the story in my book. And then, you know, half my clients left because they were on month to month contracts. And so then I had very low revenue and they all left. And when they came back, it wasn't because we did anything. They left on beautiful terms. It was just that my contracts were month to month. So I couldn't even predict revenue. So then I started, you know, doing this four to six month contracts. I learned a lot really, really early on about that working relationship. So year one, I had one employee. Year two, I had two employees. Uh, I'm going to lose track. Now I have, we're a team of seven total full-time employees and we've grown 600% since year one and now have an office in San Diego. And we represent anywhere from 18 to 24 clients at any given time with three account managers on hand. Fantastic. Congratulations on the growth. I mean, that is, that's phenomenal. And the fact that you can immediately tell me how many and what your percentages are Because again, I think a lot of women entrepreneurs out there get lost in the details of running the business and that's why they don't make them successful. Yeah. You know, when I started this business, I think I had a little bit to prove to my family and I really wanted to be an entrepreneur. I really wanted to be an entrepreneur and I had proven that I could create a product and sell it in the world. I had a magazine when I was 22 and Barnes & Noble emailed me to pick it up and it was sold Barnes and Noble nationwide and uh, newsstands nationwide and Halsey, the musician was on the cover. And so I had proven that I could create something and sell it, but I hadn't made money. There was nothing that I was doing that was actually supporting me financially. I was still a barista. I was still a student. I was still doing these. I was a bookseller. I was doing these odd jobs, but I really, really, really wanted to prove to myself and to the world and to my family that I could start a business and make money. And so been a little bit, I don't know if the word is insecure to share my main motive of starting this business was in my opinion, pretty financial. You know, like when I started, I was like, I will show people that I can show myself that I am an entrepreneur and I can make money from my business. I chose a business that aligns with my values. I love working with women. I love the podcast medium. I can never internally start a business with a service and in an industry that I didn't absolutely love, right? So there's alignment in what I do and the mission behind what I do is aligned. But when I started this, like I wanted to make money, right? Like that was like it. That was my goal. I was like, I will hit six figures this year. I will be financially independent off of my own business. And that was a big, big driver for me in the beginning. It was a huge driver. So we did hit that six figure mark year one. And it's been, you know, top of mind for me ever since to grow. Hopefully we'll hit our first seven figure year this year. So I think that sometimes when we start businesses, the purpose and the mission are so beautiful to have. And what you're doing has to be aligned with your value and has to be aligned with your purpose and how you live. I've always wanted to support women. I've always been obsessed with female entrepreneurs and I'm obsessed with podcasting. So it makes perfect sense, right? But we also have to be remembering the financial part of a business, which is that a business is here to make money. And that is a big part of our job as an entrepreneur to figure out the puzzle pieces to make a profitable, healthy business that supports you, that supports your team, that supports your clients, your customers, your followers. And so that was also really top of mind for me day one. And not be scared to charge. Oh my God. I was so afraid to charge. Oh my God. It like... Oh my God, my rates were so, so, I mean, I was charging $500, $500. I was working my ass off guys because I didn't have PR experience. I didn't have customer service experience. Can I swear on here? Oh, hell yeah. 
know, fuck, I didn't even graduate college, guys, right? So in the beginning, I was like, you want to work with me 500 bucks month to month? Let's go. And I just gave it my all. I mean, I figured it out. And then once I got good at that and I had a track record, then I charged more. And then I was like three month contracts, but it was incrementally. I always say I incrementally increased my prices quickly over time. So I went from 500 to 700 to 1000 to 1500 to 2500. And now our podcast tours range from 3000 to $5,000 a month. But that was, I had to prove to myself at every level of that incremental change that that felt good. If I started this business and charged $2,000, I wouldn't get a client because there's no way I could energetically hold that or believe in myself with that. It wouldn't feel it wouldn't feel like an equal trade because I didn't know what I was doing. So there was like a little bit of that, okay, you're barely paying me. So I'm going to prove myself to get this under my belt. So now I, you know, feel so confident. I think, honestly, I think that my prices are a fucking steal, right? And I can confidently feel that in my body. And that, I mean, 500 bucks. And I was, uh, I was working overtime. Let's talk that through. Like the client you're going to attract at 500 bucks is a lot different than the client you're going to attract at an $18,000 commitment minimum. You know, cause you yeah. said you're three to five a month, six month contract. So let me just do that fast math. You're welcome. All you um, second grade teachers out there. I do remember multiplication without a calculator in my hand. <laughs> um, $18,000 is a commitment. Mm-hmm. And that's not the stay-at-home mom who just wants to increase her Instagram following. Like that is the business owner who understands that this is part of their PR and marketing package. And she's going to do it on terms that don't look like Facebook ads or don't look like spending it on, you know, getting on a plane and going to a networking event. Like this is how they're going to spend that money and get that ROI from it and evaluate it. Excellent point. And that's also been a big driver for me because, you know, Four years we've worked on this one service. I have a business that has one revenue month and one business, like one income stream, which is really crazy and really beautiful because we've been able to super fine tune it and get super good at it and become the experts in the space. But as you said, $18,000, I don't like it when someone pays me and that's their full, 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 full budget for everything, right? right. And I am upfront with people. I have to trust that when people make decisions to invest in me, that they are making the best in, you know, decisions for themselves. But I am completely aware that $18,000 for many is complete sticker shock. And for many, it's a penny. For many, it's like you charge $18,000. I've had many people say that to me too. So in that sense, money is so subjective, which is why it's one of my favorite games to play in. But after doing this for four years and getting on so many calls with incredible female entrepreneurs, I think that part of me does attract a client where 18,000 is too much because Mm. podcast space is very content creator. People want to be authors. People are starting their new business. It's an entry point into the podcast tour game is not, you don't need to necessarily be at, you know, versus traditional PR, your business has to be further along. So a lot of people come to me in the early times that don't have the 18,000. And I got really tired of talking to women and hearing their stories and not being able to service them in a way that made sense for my business and my team. So we created the Podcast Tour Academy, which is a six-week course. We just did our first uh, round. Our next one's opening in July, where I and our director of clients teach these women exactly how to run their own podcast tour. It's under $5,000 commitment. If you get a 
or an early bird, it's, you know, like the 3,500 zone. Don't quote me. I'm still putting it around there. And then we have a database. So we took our database and we put it onto a subscription site, 200 bucks a month. And then we have other ways now to work with us. You can pay $444 for our workshop and learn from me and look at our proprietary template to write your own pitch. So now that I'm in the space so much, I'm noticing that my community, there's a lot of women in the Scouts Agency community that follow us online, that get on a call with me, that DM me, that email us, that I couldn't support. And now so, you can. But now I can. So now we're making so much more accessible price points for the stay-at-home mom who is blogging on the side and wants to grow her presence. All right. I love this so much. So, so much. And here's why. What I find is that most people start off with, and I've done this myself in my business, the smaller tickets, you know, join the membership, join the boot camp, join the this, and you work your way up, you funnel your client up from the small price point, and then you offer the big ticket price point. And by that time, they love you and they're all in. You started a business at the big ticket, and now you're adding in the smaller price point funnels because your reputation has grown, your thought leadership in the industry has grown, and now you've realized there's a need for that stair step for someone to come in, and you're going back and slotting that in. Whereas Mm -hmm. a lot of businesses start at the bottom and slot in the big ticket at the end, and that is a, I think it's a, and speaking from experience myself, it's a slower growth for your business. The small one to the big one? Yeah, because it's it takes a lot longer to build up that capital to be able to do the big versus starting with the big and then slotting in the smaller ones along the way after you have grown yourself. I mean, that is just, you probably didn't realize how fucking brilliant that was. No, I did not realize it. So I can't give myself credit, <laughs> but I did realize very early on, which I think shocks a lot of people. It's so much easier to sign high retainer clients than it is to sign low retainer yeah, And I agree with that. So that's that's what shocked me too. I mean, I could put a five, I put a five thousand dollar and I've tested it before. I put a five thousand dollar package. It's my reflection of you package. It's one-on-one private brand personal branding with me. And you get assets, you get your pitch written by me, et cetera. You know, I sold like five of those one day. And then I did another webinar where the price point was 500 and like no one signed up. And it just shocks me every time. So it's, you know, I'm I'm grateful for the way that I did it. And now because I've gotten on the call with so many people who can't afford, they're all in my network who are ready for this. And they'll get there and they'll be able to do the big ticket, but they need you right now at that baby ticket price point. Yeah. And maybe they never do the big ticket. If they honestly, if they don't do the big ticket, I did my job with my lower price offerings. I really did. Yeah. You serve them. You met them them. where they are and you fulfill their needs. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Okay. So how does our audience get in touch with you after they listen to this episode and they're like, holy fuck, I need, I need scout in my life. Yeah. So so you can curse on my, on my podcast. I should have known by the name of your, I just, I don't know why every time in the middle I ask, and it's always yes. Like when you go on a podcast and it's no, um, you can follow me online. The best place is Instagram at Scout Sobel. Um, I highly suggest you also follow Scouts Agency on Instagram at Scouts Agency. The link or the username, whatever is in my bio. Okay. And go into the link in my bio, go into the link in bio at Scouts Agency. Everything you need is there. Every way to work with us. Workshop, database, podcast tour, academy, my podcast, all the things. I have it in one one spot in the link in my bio for you. Oh, awesome. and then go to scoutsagency.com slash hello. That's going to be a more concentrated, comprehensive list of touch points for us. 
Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on today, Scout. It was awesome as always. And I know that our audience is going to be hitting you up really, really quickly. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks.